Live from the 607 is the ODPH Entertainment Edition, where we're talking movies, comics, TV, and more. Why don't you join in the conversation? Hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, hashtag ODPH Podcast. I am your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of entertainment, so let's waste no more time, shall we? Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. You can find them on OchoDuroParlayHour.com and use the hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation because we have a lot to discuss, let alone the biggest news story of the week. Without question, San Diego Comic-Con. One could say they came, they saw, they conquered. Well put, Pad. Well put. And one studio definitely came in and took over Con, Mm -hmm. dropped the mic, walked home. Yeah. Marvel Studios, as we predicted on last week's preview show, if you didn't listen, you can go download it after this one. They came in short notice, but boy, did they ever leave that impact. From what I understand, because there were a couple of writers I follow that were in the room. The, who the, some of those writers have also been to music concerts and rock concerts. Uh, they said the air and energy in that room from the moment that people got let into Hall H up to and through the entire Marvel panel was akin to that of a rock concert, just from how much people were amped up for it, the high energy, you know, just how loud people were and everything else, just from start to finish, it was like a rock concert. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Kevin Feige is kind of like the rock star of the moment of Comic-Cons, no matter where he walks through. I mean, everything he's done with the MCU and with the Avengers now closing chapter of the Infinity Saga Phase 3, I guess we can officially call it, now, and I know it's about Spider-Man Far From Home, but I don't really count that. I mean, for me, it's Avengers right. was the closing book. Right. This was the, the panel to be at. I mean, Hall H just absolutely was a was crazy energy for this one, and Marvel did deliver. So mm-hmm. we're going to be breaking down all the movie announcements, giving you our point of views on this. So, Pad, why don't you kick us off? Well, we're going to be going in uh, sequential order of when they're going to be released. Uh, coming up first, we in May 1st of 2020, just a couple of months away. Of course, this is filming right now as we speak. If you pay attention to some of the spoilers or, you know, uh, certain sites online, uh, that is the Black Widow film starring Scarlett Johansson. Now, this one has been very heavily rumored about what it's going to be about, mm-hmm. kind of really what's going on, because obviously after the events of Avengers Endgame yeah. involving Natasha. Spoiler alert. Yes, where was this going to be set? What right, is the story right. going to be used? This is now officially confirmed to be set after Captain America Civil War. Right, which is interesting because some of the early rumors, and I think we even said it on a previous episode, was that this was going to be like set around Y2K and the Y2K bug was going to play a part in the story, but turns out that's not true. No, it's definitely not. So this is going back into her spy days away from the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And obviously we know about a couple of the cast that have been named to the film. Yep, uh, David Harbour is in the film. He is playing Alexei or better known as the Red Guardian. Florence Pugh is playing Yelena. Of course, Scarlett Johansson is reprising her role as Natasha Romanoff and the Black Slash Black Widow. Uh, Rachel Wise is playing Melina. Ray Winstone is in the film, but he does not have a current listed uh, role. And then O.T. Fagbini uh, is playing a character named Mason. Uh, the other interesting thing I saw that was discussed during this panel when they were talking about the movie, we're going to find out about Budapest. 
Yeah, this is going to get very interesting tying into the MCU history concerning there. And with this uh, movie, I think it's going to be kind of based around the 1999 Black Widow comic that was under Marvel Knights. Devin Grayson and J.G. Jones did the storyline because when Yelena was cast for this, Mm -hmm. obviously she is a very big part of that storyline. Yeah. So this is going to be a very interesting film to see how it's done. David Harbour being the Red Guardian is a, is an interesting casting. And, I, I mean, I think it just goes to show about we're really going to deep dive into Black Widow's history. Right. And now, for those, why don't you tell us for those who don't know who the Red Guardian is? Because even for me, that's a little bit of an obscure character. What there is is in the Soviet Union, um, there is a Avengers-like group called the Soviet Super Soldiers, I believe. Oh, okay. And it's a bunch of different characters. Red Guardian is like their Captain America. They have gotcha. a Crimson Dynamo, who's like the Iron Man, uh, Dark Star, Ursa Major, who is a bear-like um, creature, kind of thing like okay. Beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to a degree, um, uh, there is a uh, type of um, it's a Norse god, but it's not sure. Thor. Sure. So it, it's more or less that group of Avengers. And I want yeah. to say I think they're called the Soviet Super Soldiers. It's something like in that variation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Red Guardian is their leader of that, right? So this, this kind of makes sense going off of that. You know, Natasha Romanoff, Russian heritage. You're going to have the you know the Soviet Union's or Russia's, whatever you want to call it, uh, equivalent of Captain America, kind of being maybe the the villain in this. Although we do know they did show footage during the panel. Uh, Taskmaster is in this film, so it looks like Taskmaster will be the main villain in this movie. And there was something involving a shield and, and everything else, but uh, not Captain America's shield. Just throwing that out there now. It's not his shield, but yeah, it should be an interesting film that we don't have to wait too long for. No, we definitely won't. And obviously, Taskmaster being in this film is going to be a very big deal. I'll say her Natasha fighting Taskmaster is going to be insane because, as anyone who has read Marvel Comics knows, and I'll fill in, the, uh, in for those who don't, Taskmaster is a type of, of villain who adapts and learns his villain his his opponent's moves, so that in theory. You know, he's he's the perfect, you know, yin to your yang where he can fight you and match you toe to toe, blow for blow. Doesn't always work, but I, I'm kind of excited to see him fight Natasha and her her martial arts style, you know, where, OK, he might you know be a little out of his game at the start. But by the end of the film, it should be one heck of a choreographed fight. Absolutely. Taskmaster is a very unique villain. I know he's mm-hmm. kind of I don't want to say he has gone through a little bit of redemption lately. He's more known for his photographic memory, and he can watch somebody's moves and adapt them to himself, like without any training. He just has to see what you do, and he can do it. And he's been known to over his years to be a mercenary type character. He's also trained super villains yeah. and henchmen, so to speak. And then more recently, um, in the past, uh, I'll say five seven years ago, um, when they were doing the Norman Osborn. Um, Rain there where yeah. he took over Shield. Yeah, he was also working at their like Avengers type academy. And well, yeah, and even more recently, not in the comics, he was in the Spider-Man PS4 video game. Is kind of one of the side bosses. You know, wasn't really tied in with the main story, but he was there. You know, it was kind of a side quest, side story thing. And I'll just say he was a pain in the you know what for that. Yeah, he's a very unique character, and his personality is very unique too. Not very, I don't want to say like Deadpool, but right. he's a very unique. That's the easiest way to put it. He's just unique. So to see him now being the major villain of this film is going to be really something to see, and obviously how they depict him on screen is going to be very, very fun yeah. to watch. So I'm actually really excited about this film. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to see a lot of good things coming from this. Now, also at this panel, they were talking Disney Plus shows too. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and we'll kind of get to this later. Uh, you know, the Disney Plus 
factor of it later. But uh, up next in fall of 2020, you have Fal- the Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, series coming to Disney Plus with the updated logo, of course, after the events of Avengers Endgame. Absolutely. This show has got a lot of buzz behind it, mm-hmm. and especially because they casted who, Pat? Uh, they casted Zemo uh, fr- uh, with an actor named Daniel Brawl. Now, he did play him in Civil War. Yep. So they're bringing him back, and the big news that we heard coming out of this is he is going to have the Baron Zemo costume. Uh Uh-huh. Now, how they're going to do this on screen is going to be very interesting. Yeah. His costume, if you don't know the character, he does have uh, a a substance called Adhesive X that has more or less scarred his face, and that's why he has the mask on. Mm Mm-hmm. And because, yeah, it's just comics, folks. Yeah, that's the easy way to describe it. So to yeah. see this actually happen, and if you know his connection with Bucky Barnes and Captain America, yeah. it, this is going to be a really, really yeah. fun story. And like we said on last week's show, I fully predict by the end of this series, mm-hmm. you're going to see Sam Wilson having his own Falcon cap suit. Well, there is no prediction. Uh, Anthony Mackie said during the panel he's already had his first fitting for his what will be his Captain America suit. Now, he didn't go into details, obviously, because Kevin Feige would have thrown him out the door, mm-hmm. you know, metaphorically speaking. But that would, you know, if he's already having done a, you know, fitting for his Captain America suit, that would lead me to believe that, okay, we're going to see it at some point, probably the uh, the last episode of this series, you know, that you because to me, they wouldn't do a fitting for that suit if they weren't going to use it till the next major movie he's in. Yeah, it would make sense. I mean, just depending on who they want to go with the comic. And, right. And obviously, right. if you know about Bucky Barnes's tenure as Captain America, you know Baron Zemo had a lot to do with how it ended mm-hmm. without going into too much spoilery there. So obviously, this is going to tie into a lot of those elements from that comic run. I want to say that Brew Baker wrote it, but I'm, I'm blanking right now for a second. Right. But either way, this show has got a lot of hype behind it. I'm, pre- I'm pretty excited about this. I'll say of no, interestingly, uh, listed on the IMDb page is Emily Van Camp, who will reprise her role as Sharon Carter. Yeah, that is kind of interesting to see. I also just uh, checked out something interesting because I was looking at the director at the end. Nobody really noteworthy. You know, worked on a couple things, but nothing of major note. Uh, the writer's real good. The writer is a gentleman by the name of Derek Kolstad, who you might have heard of three movies he's worked on. Uh, some movies called John Wick 1, 2, and 3. Sold. Yeah, I just saw that. I'm like, okay, yeah, I want this show now. That's going to be a fun one to watch. And yeah. like I say, if they're borrowing from Brew Baker's run, which I'm I'm going to say that's officially his run on this, mm-hmm. this is going to be a really, really fun book to, or fun show to watch, fun book to read, a lot of good things coming out of the Cap universe. Yep. Uh, after that, in November on November 6th of 2020, we have the next film in Phase 4, uh, which is the long-rumored, now officially confirmed Eternals movie. Now, this interesting one is because the only two actors that were uh, really brought out for this, I believe, were Angelina Jolie, who was playing Thena, and then Richard Madden, who was playing Icarus. Okay, so this is going to be, I guess, what I would say the biggest question mark of Phase 4, in, right. my, in my opinion. I don't know exactly how this is going to translate because for the Eternals, if you're not familiar with them in the comics, they are a very unique group of characters. They have a long history of being, you know, they're from Jack Kirby's mind. So, I mean, obviously when you have Kirby creating a character, he is just the original house of ideas himself. Right. And obviously Everything he's done is kind of like how it ties in with the Celestials and how they basically 
create this race of superpowered beings. Yeah. And just now where they go with this, it, they're just a very unique it's a unique element. Like for me mm-hmm. when I when I see them I kind of think Greek mythology mixed with yeah. cosmic mythos. Yeah. So when I first heard about this movie, I kind of went, "Really?" Yeah. And I, I'll be very honest. I heard that who's in the cast, and I know yeah. Pad, you got that list ready. Yeah, it's uh, Angelina Jolie, of course, playing uh, the role of Thena. Uh, this is according to the IMDb page. Richard Madden playing Icarus. Uh, you've got Kumal Nanjani playing Kingo. Uh, Salma Hayek playing Ajak. Brian Tyree Henry playing Phantos. Dong Sok Ma playing Gilgamesh. Uh, Laya McHugh playing Sprite, and then Lauren Ridloff playing Makari. Yeah, they have very unique powers for this group. And like I say, the Celestials more or less created them, and they're kind of just like a, a yeah. an, another evolution of humanity. Yeah. And like I say, how this is going to translate on the big screen, I don't know. I mean, like I say, this sounds very interesting. Yeah, and, and I know for a lot of people, they're relatively obscure. You haven't really heard of them, but people are quickly learning because I was reading an article uh, the day after the, this panel, and, and they were talking, kind of going through summaries of and everything they talked about. And they uh, the article I was reading had spoken to a couple uh, comic book stores and, and kind of, oh, what's what's kind of been the result or the fallout after the Marvel uh, panel and they go and all and one of them one of the comic book stores said you know in all my years I never thought I'd have to be bumping up my order for Eternals books. Well, like I say, they have never really stuck out. Like for me, I have the Inhumans vibe when I okay. hear about them, and it's not really a slight, but it's been they're kind of a unique fan base, unique right. group yeah. of stories that I you know what has just never really resonated with me. And I mean, Jack Kirby created him. I know that. And like I say, Kirby, he is just was one of the most brilliant minds in comics. So, but whenever you kind of deal with like the mythology mythos combined with cosmic, it it can either be very hit or miss. And for me with the Eternals, they've just never really jumped out to me as like, okay, that's the group I want to read about. Right. And I mean, they've gone through histories of different writers and, I just have never really seen how this is really gravitated towards like, okay, we really want to see a movie about this. Mm -hmm. Now, am I saying it's going to be bad? No, no, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if the closest comparison is DC's new gods, right? Which Ava DuVernay is going to be directing Tom King's writing the script for, which I think if memory serves, Tom King is writing or working on the script. Cause if I, if I read right, he was going to work on the script as soon as San Diego comic-con was done. And well, it's done. Right. So he's already jumping on that. And if you know the history of the new gods at DC, Darkseid, Mr. Miracle, mm-hmm. Orion, they I want to say they're very more high profile than the Eternals. The, yeah. the Eternals, you had Cersei who was on the Avengers and God, I want to say like what late eighties, early nineties, some right. Something right. But other than that, I mean, Pad, you are a comic book fan. Does any of those character names jump out at you? I mean, some of the names jump out just from what little I know of Greek mythology, but it's not anything like, oh, that's so-and-so, then this is their history, and this is what they can do. Like, you know, I, you know, I read off the name Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh rings a bell. You know, I can't immediately recall anything about him, but it's just it's one of those names that, okay, I recognize. He was on the Avengers at one point, but he's known as the Forgotten One because right. people forget about him. The Eternals, like I say, is going to be Marvel's biggest question mark, I think, since... They took a shot with Guardians of the Galaxy way back when, and they yeah. took a shot with Inhumans. Yeah. And I used those two examples because we saw where it went really right and where it went really wrong. Yeah, really, really wrong. So this one it could be very hit or miss, and if they try tying in Thanos' connection to mm-hmm. this, note I, I, this is a mild spoiler, 
there is a connection between Thanos yeah. and the Eternals universe. Yeah, there is. So you'll have to kind of dig through your own issues and pick up, uh, pick them up at the comic shop about that. I'm not going to get into that. But this one, a lot of question marks. I want to see a trailer first before I really cast yeah. a judgment on yeah. this. After that, uh, you've got the first film of 2021 in uh, coming out in February. It is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This I'm actually very excited about. Uh-huh. I am very excited. I don't know how Shang-Chi is going to translate on a big screen. I thought that it would have been better to do it like on a Netflix or Disney Plus type show. Right. But either way, I think it's going to be a – casting has been awesome on yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, you've got Aquafina, and no, I'm not – pronouncing that wrong if you look up her name on the imdb page for shang chi and the legend of the ten rings that's how it that's how it reads uh playing an untitled character simu liu playing the title role of shang chi and then you've got tony chu Wai leung playing the mandarin the mandarin the real mandarin the real mandarin not the guy who was in uh iron man 3 now the other interesting thing i saw i saw online and i can't take any credit for this is if you look at the logo uh for shang chi and of the in the legends of the ten rings legend of the ten rings uh the interesting thing with the little ten rings logo that's in the background we've seen that before Mm -hmm. it's been sprinkled out throughout i believe it was the iron man movies yep because the mandarin Mm -hmm. is iron man's greatest foe yep always has been so since the beginning of the mcu the mandarin has always been lurking and i know in iron man 3 they kind of teased well maybe so-and-so is the mandarin so-and-so is no, we're going to see the real Mandarin appear in this movie. And for Shang-Chi, I mean, he is considered in the MCU the world's greatest martial artist. He's better than Iron Fist. He's better than Captain America. He can definitely do a lot more with his hands and fists, or feet rather, mm-hmm. than your average hero that is good. That is a good fighter. Yeah. I don't believe he has any superpowers. I, I was reading, though, somewhere that he I guess he's now developed a power that he can clone himself and, hmm. and, and do, some, do something like the multiple men. I can't confirm that, though, but I, somebody was telling me in passing yeah, at yeah, the yeah. comic shop. Either way, this should have a lot of high action, a lot of just very unique storytelling through fighting, and I'm super excited about this one. I think yeah. – I think this has got a ton of potential, and especially if they do the Mandarin right. Right. This is what I want to see. Yeah, no, they've also got an interesting writer attached to it, a gentleman by the name of Dave Callahan, who uh, most notably has worked on both the 2014 Godzilla script and also Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. So that so that's definitely some I, they got some good writer a good writer working on it. Uh, after that, you have the next of the Disney Plus uh, streaming service shows in WandaVision, of course, starring Elizabeth Olsen reprising her role as uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name Scarlet Witch. Thank you, Scarlet Witch, and then uh, also Vision returning. Now, the interesting thing with this is that they uh, Kevin Feige openly said that the events of WandaVision will directly tie into the next Marvel film we'll talk about, which we'll get to that in a minute. Okay, so this one is going to be, I guess, my Eternals for Disney+. Plus. I really don't know what they're going to do with this show. I'm excited to see it. I don't think Paul Bettany knows what they're going to do with this show because I think he said as much when... Because the thing they did with all of these shows and movies and whatnot is they brought out some of the characters and, and some of the actors and actresses and, and directors and what have you to kind of talk about what they were doing or what little they could. And that, that was the thing that, you know... Uh, Paul Bettany even said he's, he's like I don't even know you know he's like in Endgame I was dead I don't even know where this is going to be said I don't really know what's going on with my character well the thing is if you know anything about the Scarlet Witch's powers that she 
has tampered with reality and such that when she really kind of just unleashes mm-hmm. her true potential with her powers, I mean, all bets are off. I mean, right. she is responsible for House of M. Yeah. So yeah. I am not doubting that somehow she's going to bring back the vision herself. Right. Or maybe this is where we start tampering with, I know we're going to talk about this film that is going to tie into. Yeah. But this might be where we start hearing more about the multiverse. Right. And we might start dipping down that road. Yeah. But the only thing, too, with this show is Tiana Paris mm-hmm. is going to be playing Monica Rambeau. Yes. A grown-up version that we saw the original on Captain Marvel. Yep. So now this is set to the current timeline, and she'll be playing her uh, for this. She'll be on this series as well. Yep. So where this is going to go, Pat? I Man, I have no idea. But it's going to be a very interesting watch because... To date, this will be the first time that we will have had a television series directly impact the Marvel Cinematic Universe timeline. Yes, we've had other Marvel shows, and but they've never really, you know, had the you know the dropping a rock in a pond ripple effect that we've seen pass on to the MCU movies. Right, because this one is set in spring 21, 2021. Mm-hmm. We don't know where exactly this is going to drop, but I guarantee you it's going to drop before May 21. Yep. 2021, rather. Yep, because on May 7th, 2021, you have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And the Scarlet Witch is in this film. Yeah. So, thoughts on this, Pad? I'm, you know what? I'm glad I, we finally get to see Scarlet Witch do some interacting with uh, Doctor Strange, because at least in my to my recollection, that hasn't happened yet. So, I'm definitely all down. You know, they've been in the same room around the same fighting field together, but they've never really, hi, how are you? I'm Scarlet Witch. Hi, I'm Doctor Strange. You know, I'm definitely interested to see where this goes, and I'm even more interested given the villain they announced being in this film. Yeah, this one is going to be very interesting. Uh, Doctor Strange, number one, was a great film. I mean, it definitely introduced Doctor Strange to the masses, and that could be very tricky because being the Sorcerer Supreme, you deal with a lot of magic and how that translates onto the big screen. I mean, it's not exactly Harry Potter. Right. So, but they did a great job with it. Yeah. So now going into the sequel, you can kind of really start digging into the character and his rogues gallery, which is unique to put it mildly. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see the character of Nightmare yeah. as the antagonist in this one. And where they're going with this, if this is going to be madness in the multiverse. Mm-hmm. This can't be good for the regular MCU. No. Because especially you have the Scarlet Witch who has been known to tamper yeah. with timelines and such. No more mutants. Exactly. So now I think what it's going to be the setup is in WandaVision, she's going to do something that Doctor Strange has to come try fixing. Mm-hmm. And I think that she winds up tampering with the nightmare dimension. Yeah. And thus, this is how you bring nightmare into the MCU. Yeah, I, I can fully see that. The other interesting thing is uh, Scott Derrickson is returning to direct. Of course, he directed the first iteration of Doctor Strange. And the thing he said during the panel is that it's going to be more of the same humor you're used to from Doctor Strange 1, but it's just going to be a little darker. Yeah, I'm hoping they go with a darker tone to this. And I want to see like almost like a horror film. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing I think a lot of people are saying is it's going to be the MCU and note it, I say the MCU's first kind of horror superhero film. I think that would be a good change of pace at this stage because yeah. a lot of the films, let's be honest, have been kind of cookie cutter in their setup. Yeah. And it's not a slight. It's no. just, it's, no. you want to say it's the Marvel way, it's the Disney way, however variety you want. Is the, but variety is the spice of life and you got to kind of shake things up if you want to keep these films going. Absolutely. So you can't have Doctor Strange 2 look like Doctor Strange 1. It's right. just not going to work and yeah. no matter how you want to do that. So obviously with this moving forward, 
they got to go into a different route. I'm interested to see how this goes. I really mm-hmm. want to see a horror film. I don't think it's going to get rated R, though. I don't think any film in the MCU per se is going to have a rated R filming. Well, it, it, it might, but there's one we'll discuss later that I guarantee will have an R-rated uh, rated R rating. Okay, fair enough. But I think for this one, though, with Doctor Strange, we won't see that happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be It might be a hard PG-13, like, pushing R. I could definitely see that, maybe. But yeah. like I said, for a full R, no. Yeah. Uh, after that, we've got the next of the Disney Plus uh, shows in coming out in spring 2021, Loki. Yeah, this one is kind of a – it's going to be a nice send-off to the character. Yeah. I think because obviously this is going to deal with the after effects of Endgame and what – he jumps away in that timeline. So right. now he's running around in the multiverse, I guess. Or <laughs> See, now all of a sudden we just got weird with the timeline because yeah, yeah. Loki – Because you can't do something like what, hap- like what they did to fix things in Endgame and not have some repercussions. Right. So this is going to be very interesting to see how this plays out with Tom Hiddleston returning as Loki – and if he winds up finding out his future and what happens to him in Infinity War, this is going to be a factor of how can Loki, you know, find his way out of this one. I mean, yeah. the God of Mischief, anything is possible. I just, I just want to see some crazy antics of like him just going through the time or the multiverse and just all wreaking all sorts of havoc. Right. So that's that for spring twenty twenty one. Yep. After that, you've got the next of the uh, Disney Plus streaming service shows in What If. Which, of course, this is kind of like a uh, branch off or borrowing the idea from the Marvel Comics line of the same name. In uh, We talked about this before when we've got some of the first details of the Disney Plus streaming service in that, of course, the first episode of this is going to be uh, what if, uh, uh, what's her name, Peggy Carter uh, became Captain America way back when. Right. This is going to tie into the longtime comic series done by Marvel. Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Wright, I believe, is playing the Watcher. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeffrey Wright, of course, from Westworld and uh, Hunger Games, among many, many other films and TV series, is playing, you know, the Watcher, the narrator. Uh, the other interesting thing they said with the show is if they're going to, you know, when they went, not if, but when they have. Uh, previous superheroes or people from the films their their characters are supposed to show up in the films they will be in the in that portion they're not going to get lookalikes they're not going to get body doubles or anything like that they will be in that show but not really much is known outside of that other than you know kind of what we know of the first episode and that it's coming in summer 2021 yeah this one is gonna be a, just a unique look at certain stories that i believe is gonna be centered more so in the mcu rather than trying to dig into like different characters yeah, that you're gonna see. What if Captain America wound up with the Infinity Gauntlet? Mm-hmm. Um, what if Captain America had won Civil War in, instead of Iron Man, or yeah. you know, however you want to find that? You're gonna see more stories like that, and I think this is a unique take on doing stories like this. What if is always just a fun read mm-hmm. because you can really have a really you fresh take on stories yeah and it's also a fun way to look at things you know kind of like those star wars visionaries uh line they did back in i want to say it was the 90s where you know what if luke skywalker died on hoth what it you know what if you know han didn't make it to luke back on hoth or and then stories like that just kind of like almost like a choose your own adventure book where oh darn i took the wrong turn what happens here yeah so this will be a fun series to watch mm-hmm. when that comes on disney plus i'm gonna uh, next up on the list is technically uh the next marvel movie but i'm gonna say that one for last because that's there's kind of a lot of discussion going on with that one uh but the next disney plus show coming fall 2021 yes. is hawkeye and cat i'm gonna get out of the way with this one for you hell yes 
Hawkeye is coming to Disney Plus. Now, why am I getting excited about Hawkeye? You say it's a guy who shoots a bow and arrow. Oh, exactly. But this is the Matt Fraction run. They uh-huh. said this at Comic Con. If you have not read that story, get down to your shop and pick that up as soon as you're yeah. done listening to this episode. It is a great read. They're introducing Kate Bishop into the MCU. Yep. So I don't know necessarily what is going to transpire after that, but if it's going to be copying the Fraction run, it's uh-huh. going to be a fun read. If you're reading the comic along with the show, it's a fun watch. I'm yep. too amped up. I can't really talk about it. So if I'm if I'm messing up my words, please bear with me, folks, because I absolutely adore this book. And yeah. I think that now that if they have finally confirmed they're doing this on Disney+, Plus, it's a win-win. Mm-hmm. So obviously bringing Hawkeye back. And where this is going to go, like I, I teased on the last episode, too, that they're now introducing Kate Bishop. Ant-Man's daughter, Stature, yep. is aged now in uh-huh. the MCU. Is it possible we will see young Avengers appear at some point? I mean, if I'm playing the Magic 8-Ball, signs point to yes. I got to think so, too. I think that'll be a Phase 5 yeah. um, Disney Plus show. Yeah. That's what I'm going with now. But this is going to be the lead into it. And like I said, the Hawkeye series, if you've not read it, get down to your shops and read it. Mm-hmm. I'm super amped off of this one. And then uh, the last Marvel film uh, coming out in phase four, coming out November 5th of 2021. You heard us talk about it, or at least the first first mention of it on last week's show. Uh, but we got a title and we got some details about the film. Uh, it is Thor love and thunder. Of course, Taika Watiti is coming back to direct uh, it. Uh, uh, so I'm blanking on this. Uh, Thor will be returning. So will be uh, Valkyrie will be returning. Uh, and then also, shockingly to everyone in that is a Marvel movie fan and comic book fan, Natalie Portman is returning to the film, but not just as her character, female Thor. This is mind-blowing. Yeah. On a few different levels. Okay, one, the fact that Natalie Portman is coming back to the MCU. After she had very public comments about not wanting to do another Marvel movie ever again. Uh-huh. Like, like that's not just us saying something to make the show sound better. Google it. Yeah. We are not making that one up. That To see her walk out on stage was... At the time, the most jaw-dropping moment yeah. of that of yeah. that panel yeah. at Hall H. Yeah. So to see her come back, and the fact they're going to do the Jason Aaron story. Uh-huh, which is fairly recent. It's fairly recent, which I was actually surprised they're going to do that. But I'm I like the story. Yeah. I'm not I'm not complaining yeah. about it. And if you haven't read that, that's a great read. Jason, oh, yeah. Jason Aaron's run on Thor, period, has been just it's it's up there with the Walt Simonson run mm-hmm. back in the days. Um it's Truly a great run. I, I don't want to say iconic. I think I throw that word around too long. But that is just one of those reads that you have to go check for yourself. And just the job that Aaron has done, and especially doing the Jane Foster story right. where she becomes female Thor, is just such a fresh take on the character that this is going to be one that I'm personally very excited to see. And like oh, I yeah. said, I'm, I'm shocked that they're, they're going this route with – Thor 4. Yeah. I honestly thought they were going to go for a different storyline. I really did. Yeah. I'm not, like I, but like I say, I want to stress this very much. I'm not mad about this. Right. I, I'm completely cool with th- female Thor being in this. Yeah. And where they're going to go with this, with later news of Guardians of the Galaxy 3 mm-hmm. coming very... The, not, the thing is, is uh, James Gunn has been very public on Twitter because people have been asking him, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is coming. 
However, it is not part of Phase 4. So everything we just told you up to uh, the, you know, Hawkeye being the last thing listed, if you Google, if you do a Google image search of the Phase 4 timeline, Hawkeye's the last thing list listed. That is the end of Phase 4. There is no Avengers movie that is going to be the end mark of Phase 4. This is going to be the first phase going forward. And to me, this makes a lot of sense because if, like I keep mentioning, if you want to keep these movies going, if you want to keep this universe going, you kind of got to change things up. You don't want to become wash, rinse, repeat. You know, oh, you know, oh, we've had our three movies and we've had our three, four TV series up oh, time for an Avengers movie. Like you got to spice it up. You got to mix things in a little bit. The Avengers don't come in for every major fight that happens in the universe. Now, obviously, they can't do major movies with like the X-Men, uh, X-Men, because while well, the X-Men aren't there yet, they can't do things with the Fantastic Four, a major Fantastic Four movie yet, because while well, the Fantastic Four aren't there yet, that'll come later. But I think the thing Kevin Feige said, and this makes a lot of sense, is the Phase Four is about a lot of beginnings. Mm -hmm. And you can definitely tell. I mean, looking at the lineup as we're looking at it, you're seeing some crossovers happen, mm -hmm. which has happened a little bit in the past, but, but not too much. And I think the two movies that are jumping out at me for being ones to really keep an eye out for for the next phase yeah. of the MCU is Eternals okay. and Doctor Strange. Because what I think with those two movies, looking at it, how it's set up, I think that this opens the door to the multiverse. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. I know it's in the name of Doctor Strange, but I think that this is how you introduce the X-Men into the MCU. Well, and it's funny you should mention the X-Men because Feige uh, went on to say that, you know, there's still plenty on the way that he didn't have time to talk about. He said Captain Marvel 2 is coming. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is coming. Black Panther 2 is coming. They are working on a Fantastic Four film and that they are working on X-Men things. But it, it sounds like you're not going to see an X-Men proper movie to introduce those those characters it sounds like they're going to kind of sprinkle some characters in throughout you know future tv series and films before they kind of bring them all together for a, for a movie which makes a lot of sense but they are coming i wouldn't doubt that you see hank mccoy aka beast in captain marvel 2 i could uh, see that especially with how the bonus scene from spider-man far from home with nick fury is involved yeah, yeah. because you know anything about that organization you do know that Hank McCoy has a big, big part in that. Mm -hmm. So that being said, he might be the first one we see technically in the MCU. Yeah. Or, yeah. like I say, I have a feeling you're going to see Scarlet Witch and somehow either her show or her involvement in Doctor Strange is going to be what says mutants somewhere in those two genres. Yeah, or yeah. Shows. Yeah, if, if I had to like pick a movie, though, like a, you know, a movie specifically that I'm kind of most excited for, it's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness just because it's got multiverse in the title. Yes, Doctor Strange one way back when introduced the multiverse and kind of said, hey, multiverse. But to me, this is the one that like, the post credit scene is probably the thing up the post credit scene or scenes for this film are probably the thing I'm looking forward to the most. Now that wasn't the only thing that was uh, revealed uh, uh, their Marvel panel for San Diego comic-con. We got the biggest bombshell drop. I think of the entire week where nobody saw this coming. They're doing a blade movie. Yeah, this one definitely was the mic drop. This is the one when pad was alluding to, if they're going to do an R rated movie in the MCU, it's going to be this one. It, I, I wonder, I, I agree, like, I it has to be, but yeah. when Kevin Feige was wrapping up the panel, yeah. he brought Mahershala Ali. Well, yeah, because everyone was kind of out on stage because, and everyone on stage was wearing Black Widow hats, and he brings out mm -hmm. Mahershala Ali, and everyone's like, oh, hey, it's it's Cottonmouth from Luke Cage, oh, cool. And he goes, oh, uh, Mahershala, it looks like you have, and it, the video's on I, IGN's uh, Facebook page, if you can look this up. It's a fantastic video. 
Uh, he goes, oh, Mahershal, looks like you have your own hat. Why don't you put that on? Let's see what it says. And it just says Blade. Yeah. This one came out of nowhere. Yeah. Love it. Uh, completely blown away that they're actually doing it. I mean, they're bringing back... You know, I almost want to say what kicked off the MCU. I mean, you, was, you really think about it, yeah. If you really think about it, I mean, not the the modern MCU that we know about, but when Marvel really was kind of starting out in movies, Blade was the surprise hit. I yeah. I don't think yeah. anybody realized it was going to do as well as it did. Right, and and for anyone who's kind of curious, uh, Wesley Wesley Snipes has given his first comments about the film since this was all announced, and he said, "quote It's all good." Yeah. And obviously continuing the character on from where it started. And like Mm -hmm. I said, it was probably the biggest surprise hit coming out of Marvel Comics at the time for their movie properties to see that it is what it is. I mean, it's just huge. Like I say, I I think that if Blade didn't do so well, would other superhero films do that well at that time? Who knows? I mean, the other thing I've seen some fan casting online is, you know, to kind of pay homage to Wesley Snipes and his portrayal of Blade. Uh, You could have him portray uh, Blade's mentor. Uh, in the in the film, so that'd be a nice tie. And then I've also seen some people throwing out the idea or wish that to have Moon Knight show up in the show in the movie. I wouldn't doubt you see Moon Knight come in there. There is a lot of people asking about him too, by the way. Yeah, a lot. And for Blade, I mean, it would make sense to introduce Moon Knight, or if you want to start doing maybe some of the other Midnight Suns in there, Ghost Rider, Werewolf by Night. There are some characters you can throw in there, but just to think where they've gone from where they came out with Blade first in 1998, like to throw it back yeah, that long. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, this is crazy to hear, but I'm thinking it's going to have a ton of potential. And like I said, Mahershala Ali is a hell of an actor. Oh, it's fan- it's perfect casting. Like I know a lot of people back a couple of years ago were saying, oh, Mahershala Ali would be perfect as Blade in a new Blade movie. And well, we got it. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was just in the movie, what, Attila Battle Angel? Yeah, that you started seeing people tweeting about it immediately. Yeah. Right after, like, you got to put him in the movie or make him Blade. You got to make him Blade. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, I mean, was it early fortune guessing? Maybe. It had to be something. I mean, not as much early fortune guessing as Simu Liu, who's playing Shang-Chi, a couple years ago tweeted, hey, Marvel, let's talk about hashtag Shang-Chi, and, well, now he's Shang-Chi. And the even wilder story with that is he screen tested on Sunday last week for the role and then found out he was getting the role on Tuesday last week and then they flew him out immediately to San Diego Comic-Con. And it's funny, if you go to his Twitter now, he's like, it's wild to think about a week ago, I was sitting at home eating uh, eating uh, shrimp uh, shrimp chips uh, you know, in, in my underwear, and now I'm sitting here getting ready to be a superhero. It's just absolutely wild to see just how much out of nowhere you're hearing surprises from. I mean, Marvel came and definitely stole San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. I mean, like I say, from bringing Mahershala Ali out as Blade, and like I say, have you seen uh, Edlia Battle Angel? Ali is the perfect Blade. Mm-hmm. So to see now where the MCU is heading into Phase 5, because Blade is going to be the kickoff of Phase 5. Presumably. Presumably, but I think it's probably a safe bet. To see the future of the MCU and where it's heading, I mean, it's got a lot of promise, and it also has a lot of question marks, too. Yeah, and I know the Fantastic Four movie is going to be happening sooner rather than later because I know they're coming up on an anniversary year for the, uh, that comic line. Yeah, so don't doubt that you'll hear some more stuff about that possibly at New York Comic Con. Maybe. Possibly, but you know, you'll hear from D23 is also coming up, if I'm not mistaken. So you might hear some things there. Yeah, so who knows what you're going to hear, but you're definitely going to hear a lot coming out from this panel throughout the week on other podcasts. But folks, let us know what you think. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about 
Marvel Studios Hall H panel at San Diego Comic-Con? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we're still talking a little San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about stuff that is not exactly Marvel Comics. No, because surprisingly, there was other things that happened at San Diego Comic-Con than Marvel. Right. So we're going to kind of just jump around, almost do like a one-shot to this, if you will, to hit off. Because I think other than Marvel Comics Hall H, Mm -hmm. Pat, let me ask you this. What do you think was the biggest event not Marvel Comics at Hall H? For me, it was two things, because uh, it's like a 1-1-A type of scenario, and I can't pick one above the other. Uh, for me, it was get finally getting a trailer for The Witcher Netflix series, of course, starring Henry Cavill, who is a huge fan of the video game series and of the series in general. I believe he's played the third Witcher game, I think he's said in the past, like five times, mm-hmm. which is absurd. Uh, so def- definitely getting a first trailer for that and kind of finally getting to see what it's going to look like and what he looks like in the role and... I am all sorts of amped up and excited for that. Uh, the other one, because I, I was already excited for it, but I wasn't quite sure what I was going to get with it, you know, was the Picard uh, CBS All Access TV series because Star Trek Next Generation is my favorite Star Trek series that I've watched. Admittedly, it's not many, but, you know, from what I've seen, Star Trek Next Generation is far and above one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And I, and I hold a special place in my heart for Patrick Stewart as uh, Jean-Luc Picard. You know, so it's kind of like, all right, what are we going to get with this? And then, you know, you go through the whole trail like, oh, wow, we're seeing this. We're seeing this. And then I almost threw something because the G.D. Borg showed up. Yeah. Damn it. And I mean, you saw what data and Command, stuff. Yeah. That- Lieutenant Commander Data was in there. Uh, Riker is going to be re- uh, reprising his role. I wouldn't be surprised if we still see a Will Wheaton appearance in that show. Yeah, this trailer definitely looked good, and I think for anybody that had some real doubts, I guess, when, when we first heard about Picard coming back, yeah, I mean, we were definitely excited, but we're like, okay, well, how is this yeah, going to come yeah, out? Yeah, it's a character in a show that's so re- loved and revered by fans all over the world. It's like, all right, you got to be real careful with this one. Right, and I think from what we've seen thus far from this trailer, mm-hmm. definitely it's in good hands, oh, and, yeah. and yeah. I, I'm actually really excited about this. I'm not the biggest Star Trek guy in the world, but I'm actually really excited to start watching yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So for me, there was a couple other newsworthy, I guess, non-Marvel moments at San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. Watcher trailer, yeah. or Watchmen trailer, rather, yeah. I'm sorry, was phenomenal. Now, am I completely sold on this? As you've heard on the podcast before, I am not exactly pro doing a TV show sequel to this, but the Watchmen trailer mm-hmm. looked really, really good. Yeah. And I think the fact that we saw Dr. Manhattan appear in it. Yeah. Whoa. Well, I think that kind of comes as a result of folks, not not just yourself, but others being a little skeptical because as you said, and, and as we've heard, you know, the Watchmen comic was featured as one of the 100 greatest novels of the 20th century. You know, not comics, not comics, you know, to borrow a little Alan Iverson, but books. Of all, of all time, from the 20th century. So, you know, it holds a very special place in a lot of comic book fans' heart. You know, you talk to a lot of diehard comic book fans, you got your Marvel enthusiasts, and you got your DC enthusiasts, and you got folks who kind of, you know, float in between whatever's going on at the time. But I think for a lot of diehard comic book fans, Watchmen's top of the list, if not top three. 
It has to be. And and so with that being up so high on a lot of people's lists, you got to be very careful with it. And for a lot of people, you know, the one I can compare it to is uh, I'm a big fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, the TV series that came out that was on in the early 2000s. And, you know, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, hot piece of garbage. Mm-hmm. Biggest piece of garbage. Like, to th- if you think of a, a book series you are a big fan of or a TV series you are a fan of, try cramming an entire season into one movie. It's just hot garbage. But when Netflix got the rights to a TV series, I was like, "I all right, we'll see where this goes. You know, the original creators are involved with it. We have still haven't seen anything yet. But I think you can kind of see some comparisons there where people are big fans of The Watchmen. All right, you're really doing a TV series? Uh, I don't know if I'm a fan of this. They're like, all right, people aren't a fan of this. Let's hit them with a big one. Yeah, this is something that is very interesting to watch moving forward. But I think, though, the trailer looked awesome. Yeah. I mean, and just kind of the vibe I'm getting is just the events of the Watchmen original story mm-hmm. is having some deep ramifications moving forward throughout the world. Yeah. And just the fact that we saw Dr. Manhattan at the end of it, I still, like I said, I marked out. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, this is, like, really happening. And where it goes from here, I mean, obviously, when it comes out on HBO, it's going to be a must-watch yeah. first episode. And trust me, we will have plenty to say after that going for it also some big news close to my heart since we talked about hbo we got to talk a little bit about hbo max okay and there was one show that they heard me say if they dared try canceling it i was gonna go completely ballistic about okay but it's been renewed for season two and not only is it gonna be on hbo max Uh it's gonna be on the dc universe and that is what pad doom patrol hell yeah Doom Patrol is coming back. Season 2 definitely earned it. Folks, if you have not seen it, start streaming it now. Season 1 is great. If you want something different with your superheroes, a fresh take that you don't see anywhere else, this is the one you watch. Yeah. And I'm super amped up that they brought it back for Season 2. Well, and they specifically said it's going to be on both HBO Max and DC Uni- the DC Universe app. So that kind of lends credence and, and kind of clears up some of the speculation we were talking about in a previ- in the previous episodes where what are they going to do with DC Universe? And I think it kind of lends credence to what we were saying and kind of thinking is, all right, you got your HBO Max, which is your all-inclusive deal, and it's everything you want. But if you're just you don't want all that stuff, you just want the DC stuff, you you know they'll still keep DC Universe around. Yeah, especially since they're uploading the entire DC Comics library or pretty much all of it, which is a lot. And I can't see them being like, "Yeah, we're gonna make you stop that like a quarter of the way through." Yeah, so obviously it's a good sign for the DCU, especially after canceling Swamp Thing, which I was surprised we didn't hear something about maybe where that was gonna go. Yeah, no, didn't see anything about that. I think the other thing that jumped out to me is kind of a left field curveball was the the one I was kind of keeping a side eye on, but I didn't really see that much into until after it was all said and done was the Orville panel because, I, like I've said on the show previously, I'm a big fan of the Orville from Seth MacFarlane. It is Seth MacFarlane humor, not as over the top as maybe you would see or as hard-hitting as you as maybe an American Dad or Family Guy also from Seth MacFarlane, but it's kind of still his familiar humor but with a Star Trek flavor to it. it like I've said before, it feels like the next season in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, will not be returning to Fox in 2020. Instead, it is returning, it is uh, season three is going to be on hulu in 2020 so i thought that was something interesting that stuck out to me definitely was i mean obviously with marvel slash disney acquiring hulu yeah i mean a lot of stuff is getting moved around i mean or they have a majority interest should i say yeah yeah so obviously getting the properties over disney has decided to kind of shuffle some stuff around and the Mm -hmm. overall going there i mean that makes sense yeah i mean i don't it's still going to be on the air and i think that's a big move for them yeah 
So, I mean, anytime you have stuff like that happening, it's always a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then going into the CW, yeah. since you know we're talking you know, different shows moving different places, obviously the Crisis on Infinite Earths is going to be weighing heavy on the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like the elephant in the room. Right, and Arrow had its final trailer. Yep. Or well, final kind of panel. Re- retrospective trailer. Yeah. So it's kind of... Because I think they just started filming the season. Right. So it was, it was kind of like interesting to see what they're doing. Obviously, it was a nice send-off for yeah. Stephen Amell yeah. and company. Obviously, you know, for where it started to where it's presumably going to end yeah. with Crisis on Infinite Earths. And, mm-hmm. and depending on how that storyline wraps up with everything. Yeah. I mean, it was a very nice panel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I heard nothing but rave reviews about it. And also coming out of the whole Arrowverse, uh, Batwoman had its pre- premiere episode. Yep. Heard a lot of mixed reactions about it. So I want to go in with a fresh take. Yeah, although they did say something interesting uh, for the panel that season one, they're going to be swinging for the absolute fences with Hush. Yes. So the fact they're going deep diving into Batman's rogues gallery, uh-huh. especially with Hush, I yeah. think is a it's a big move and I like it. Yeah. So it depends on how they pull it off, though. I mean, like I said, the the premiere episode had a lot of mixed reviews. Mm-hmm. But like I say, you got to give it time because, I mean, I remember Arrow's first episode. Yeah. Wasn't exactly blown away by it. No. And, of course, some other interesting things we got with the Crisis on Infinite Earth uh, crossover going on. Brandon Morath will be returning as Superman, but not just any Superman, Ken. Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah. That... I mean, he did have the shirt, so mm-hmm. I, one can assume it's going to be that Earth, which... He did have the shirt, and he posted a photo to, I want to say it was Instagram, I could be wrong, but he was on a flight headed to San Diego with a copy of Crisis on Infinite Earths in hand, reading up on the material. Well, like I say, they're going to bring in everybody that has been connected to the CW-verse. Even some who aren't, because uh, Burt Ward, who of course played Robin in the uh, Adam West Batman TV series, is going to have some sort of role in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, and there are rumors floating around, and my God, I hope these are true, because you will hear me scream from the mountaintops. Uh, Rumors are swirling that they are going to get Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum, who played Clark and Lex Luthor in the, respectively, in the Smallville TV series for 10 years to appear I really hope they do. It'd be huge. Uh, they are—they already teased me enough with last year's crossover, giving me the the theme song from Smallville. You know, somebody saved me, and I marked the you know what out, and then I got let down because it wasn't Tom Welling. I hope to God, especially with how friendly and, and interactive everyone from that from Arrow has become with with Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum. I hope something happens. It would only make sense. I mean, if you're really going to need to, I mean, almost have their end game, so to speak. Yeah. For the CW yeah. Arrowverse, why not tie it back into the show that really started everything? Yeah. Smallville, bring them on. I mean, yeah. just even if you're doing it like a quick one and done with them with the anti monitor. I mean, however, right. you, however you want to do it. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because, like I said. They're bringing in so many other faces that we've seen before. Yeah. I mean, Burt Ward coming back as Robin. Which is an odd. Like, they don't need to do that, but that's a great touch. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, I think that's coming in. He'll be in the Batwoman episode, if I'm not mistaken. Probably. And then, I mean, if Brandon Roth is. They're going to try doing Kingdom Come. I mean, good luck. I mean, Mm. but how they try explaining that universe, that's going to be something. And obviously, where they're going forward with that. I mean, the only real tease that we had concerning Crisis was the Flash trailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, they showed the new villain, I guess, is Bloodwork. Yeah. Which, I, I like. I mean, we'll have to see if that's the major one. I, I, I've I been very critical about the Flash lately, about the rogues gallery. That, mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't deep-dived enough into, you know, the, yeah. the more well-known villain. So we'll have to see how this one plays off. But I did hear that Tom Cavanaugh 
is going to be playing Pariah. Okay. Um, and kind of doing double duty involving Crisis on Infinite Earths too. So, I mean, listen, as long as Tom Cavanaugh is on my screen for the Arrowverse, I'm happy. Right. So I don't I don't know exactly how he's going to be doing it, but he's going to be involved. I think he's going to be like that Earth version. Okay. Uh, you know how it's going to get really weird with that. You're gonna you're gonna need a flowchart. Right. And the only thing to top off too with the CW uh, Arrowverse is Supergirl has a new costume. Yes. So it looks more like the Injustice costume. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. extremely happy. Because I love that game, so you know, I, I can rave about Injustice all the time. So yeah, you I, can. I have no issue with that. But CW had a lot going on with that, and not to be outdone, The Walking Dead had their mm-hmm. you know very well known panel. Yep. And a lot of news breaking out of that one. Yeah. I mean, they did do the season ten trailer. Yep. Which Pad, did you catch that? I caught it. I caught it. I'm very interested to see where they go with it. it you know, a lot of questions, more questions than answers, really. Right. And it was announced Michonne is leaving the show. Mm-hmm. So. Not really surprised at that at this no, stage. No, they're going to be doing a lot of switching around of characters. I mean, uh, Maggie might be coming back, Lauren Cohen. Yeah. So where they go with this? I mean, anybody's guess. Uh, the probably the biggest news of this one, and I I will say, Pat, I want your reaction about this mm-hmm. one. The Rick Grimes trilogy films, yeah, are not going to be on AMC. They're actually going to widescreen distribution. Oh, okay, that that that's fine with me. I know when they first announced them. Uh, back when Rick Grimes left The Walking Dead, the, the movies were coming. Then they hadn't really set where they were going to come. Uh, if memory serves, Scott M. Gimple was on the episode of Talking Dead, talking with Chris Hardwick, where you know he he talked about him as much as he could, and then he said, "We're not really." I think he even said, "We're not really sure where it's going to premiere first, whether it'll be in a widescreen format or on AMC." Or, or something like that. So, okay, I'm fine with widescreen. Or, yeah, it's going to be like at your local theaters. Like yeah, I say, that, yeah, I consider that. that widescreen. Folk. Yeah, no, I'm fine with the theatrical yeah, release. So, so, yeah, I was really kind of surprised, though. I mean, the ratings have not been the best. Yeah. I mean, they're still doing well. Don't, oh, get, yeah. don't, don't yeah. get it wrong. But I figured this might be kind of a big gamble to go to you know major motion picture theaters with it. So we'll have well, to if wait it, and if see. it doesn't work out in theaters, they can just put it out on a you know on AMC as a movie. Oh yeah. I mean that's where I thought it was gonna so go. They're not, so. they're not gonna go the Marvel route and cut up the movie into singular episodes. Right. Nor should they. I mean no. that just no, that doesn't make any sense. So I mean that was kind of interesting. And then I did hear a little tidbit that Robert Kirkman teased if he was ever going to come back and write the Walking Dead comic. Okay. It'd be a Negan comic. Oh that'd be great. So Apparently, that, that might be a little teaser. I think he just threw it out there. Maybe it just caused a little internet buzz, but we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see. But if he did, if he does come back, that's going to be what he comes back to. So a lot of news happening at Comic-Con. I mean, there was so much going on. I mean, we didn't even get the chance to dive into the trailers of Terminator, mm-hmm. Top, Gu- Top Gun. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm sorry, it needed the Kenny Loggins Danger Zone music <laughs> instead. It'll be in the film at some point. Oh, it has to be. Because you, you can't th- if you grew up when that movie came out, you cannot hear that song and not think of that movie. Right. There was the DC Universe also had renewals for uh, Young Justice yep. and yep. Teen T- or, uh, Titan season two, September six is coming out. Yep. Harley Quinn preview is going on. I mean, there is so much going on. I know I'm missing a bunch. Jane Silent Bob reboot yep. coming yep. back too. That trailer looked great. Folks, there is so much going on. We might have to do a separate blog if we miss something, but definitely hit us up on that hashtag hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about Comic-Con this weekend? Was there something we missed? Is there something you're like, yep, we got to talk a little bit more about? Hit us up on those social media accounts. We'll definitely interact with you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! 
coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And there was one panel at Hall H that we didn't talk about, uh-huh. but that was that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel. Them agents. Them agents had a great panel down uh-huh. there. Everything we've heard about has been nothing but rave reviews. And it has been officially confirmed. Yes. Next season, season seven, it's a wrap. Uh-huh. It's done. They'll also be dealing with the snap. Yes. So this is going to be interesting to see how the final saga of Colson and company rides out to the sunset. Okay. So that being said, though, there was an episode that happened this past Friday. Yes. So we are going to be talking spoilers. So -hmm. if you haven't caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you want to pause this episode, watch the episode, and then jump back in the conversation. Because, Pad, we're going to start talking about it in three, two, one. What did you think? I really liked the episode. I'm glad to finally get some answers on a lot of the burning questions we've had throughout this season. But I got just one question for you. How do I know you're really you? That is a very good question because things got weird again on S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. But after last week's episode, yeah. or two weeks ago, I think I should say now, a lot of stuff happened and we got a lot more questions answered raised and a lot more questions answered. This episode followed suit with that. I mean, we jump in to dealing with the shooting of Sarge, yep. a.k.a. Coulson, in a.k.a. Cold in Cold Blood by May. And we start seeing that she's now been quarantined and is getting questioned about what's going on. And Quake is in that cell and confronts her. And at this point, too, we're finding out that Sarge is regenerating. Yeah, and the and the interesting thing when uh, Quake is interviewing May, she's very, like, stoic and deadpan. Like, I had to do this. You know I had to do this. He's a monster. He's this. He's that. And, and Quake is kind of like, right, but this isn't how we do things. Right. So this was kind of interesting to see how this interaction was happening because May, albeit is very cold and and that's her usual persona. Yeah. Yeah. Not that cold. But yeah, not ice cold. Mr. Freeze like. Yeah. This was definitely calculated and it just something seemed off. And Mm -hmm. as we saw from, you know, the episode prior to it it was something happened and something was kind of moving around the ship. And I know I, I posted this on Twitter and I gave my thoughts and I'm glad I was right that we actually find out that Izel is now in the S.H.I.E.L.D. compound. Mm-hmm. And then we find out that as the mystery is getting put together, because as everybody is being confronted and, and asked questions, suddenly May doesn't remember shooting Coulson. Yeah, and it's and it's all funny because, you know, Quake leaves the room talk, from talking to May and, and talks to the folks who are outside listening in, uh, in the interrogation room. And then Yo-Yo goes in to talk to her while Quake goes off to do something else. And, and Yo-Yo goes in to talk to her. And Maze almost is just flabbergasted. She's like, why am I here? And and, Qu- and Yo-Yo's like, what? You know what you did. She's like, no, I really don't. Like, what, what happened? She's like, you killed Sarge. What? Yeah, and at this point, too, you start seeing outside Piper is confronted and attacked. Uh-huh. And like I said, this goes into the theory that I said all along that Izel was in there. But albeit, though, it wasn't exactly the way that some people might have expected. Uh-huh. Because as we see, that Piper jumps in a conversation with Fitz and Deke. And during uh-huh. their conversation, they're having a discussion about what's the connection between Izel and Sarge. Yeah. And when Piper jumps in this conversation, she takes something. Yep. That, you know, was kind of a little sleight of hand. That I, no- I missed it. That nobody, yeah, I, I thought I saw her grab something, but then, sure enough, as we find out later, she does have something. Yep. And as she escapes with said item in hand, May is still proclaiming her in- innocence, and she's taking the steps to retrace, like, what has happened. Mm-hmm. And they go find Agent Davis, who, 
when that episode happened two two episodes ago, I honestly thought he was dead. Yeah, so did on I. On the couch. So did I. Because something happened when he was on the spaceship with Jaco. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he came back looking kind of weird. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's out cold yeah. on the couch with Piper in the S.H.I.E.L.D. lounge or whatever. Yeah, when they were having the party. Right. So at this point, something is definitely not right. And as they go start piecing what's happening, Quake sees an agent like is on the ground and is posting an attack. And obviously, at this point, they all are figuring, okay, something is definitely not right. Yeah. And as they're moving around, Simmons is still treating Sarge in a hidden... I think it's in the morgue. Yeah, it's somewhere hidden. Like, no, I don't even think it's somewhere hidden. I think they, I think it's down in the morgue. I See, I couldn't tell. Like That was the one thing I was really trying to figure out because they kept saying, like, nobody would think to come look down here. Yeah. So that's why I was like, I don't think it's a morgue, but I'm not 100% sure. Either way... Simmons is kind of doing the autopsy and informs Mac that Sarge is regenerating. Well, yeah, because earlier in the episode when her and Fitz are doing an, like, an autopsy or whatever, they're like, yeah, Fitz is like, yeah, no, it gets weirder. And he, I, I don't know what the device is called, but you see it in hospitals all the time to measure a person's heart rate. And he got plugged with bullets like four or five times. And according to Fitz, bled out. Like, he basically bled out. If there wasn't any, if there was any blood left in him, it wasn't much. Yeah. So, by, by every medical definition on the planet, no matter what language you're in, he should be dead. You know, and all of a sudden they stick the device back on his finger and there's a pulse rate of like 32 or 37 beats per minute or something like that. Yeah, this is a very weird situation. So, obviously we know something is not right. Yeah, as if there wasn't already enough about Sarge that wasn't right. Right. So at this stage, too, Davis is getting confronted about his blackouts. Quake and Yo-Yo are, are knowing something's up. Piper runs into Deke, and they're chatting, yeah. and Deke catches that Piper has something in hand. And what is it? Yeah, it's it's a piece of the monolith, if I remember right. Yeah, it's a Shrike crystal. Or, yeah, Shrike crystal. Yeah, and at this point, the reveal happens, which I did call on ODP, uh-huh. Arlay, our Twitter, and that is that Izel can body hop. Yep. Easiest description. Like, and, and leave it to Deke to figure this out or discover this while simultaneously having the most awkward moment of the entire uh, episode. Yes. So at this stage, Izel is body hopping. It's the easiest way to describe it. It's like Teen Titans Jericho. Yeah. Well, and especially because to this point, we had no idea you know, how she was getting around or what she was doing because whenever she would change, if you go back and watch the episode, whenever she changes bodies, we never see it. Mm. This is the first instance in the episode where we really see, okay, this is how she's doing it. Right. So at this stage that she's jumping around and we're hearing they're coming up with a plan as after Mac kind of figures out, okay, what's going on. He locks everybody down and he Mm -hmm. has yo-yo and Daisy locked away after he kind of does the game of secrets. Yeah. Which is to figure out because that's the one thing Izel can't do is replicate memories. Right. Yeah. Or she can't draw on the memories of the host she's occupying. Right. So be, be, because one, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but because one of the ways they figured out, you know, it was May was, you know, they were going back with what May was saying to some of the other folks while she was possessed. And they're like, wait, May said that like cold blooded, cold hearted May. Wait a minute. Yeah. So obviously the tip off is there. So at this stage, they're hiding everybody. Piper mm-hmm. is revealed that reveals that Deke is Izel, but it winds up it's actually fits yeah. at this situation because now they have the entire team there. And at this point, there is kind of a very weird action sequence where Izel is just body hopping. It was really cool, though. It was really cool, though. But then she winds up jumping into or Piper and actually makes her shoot her own hand. And clean through. Yeah, clean through. Like, I'm pretty sure we saw a little bit of bone. Yeah. 
And at this stage, too, this, she winds up body jumping. Who her, or Davis is on a ledge, uh-huh. kind of in the sniper position. He and she winds up working her way up there, and then basically jumps out of him and makes him kill himself. Well, yeah, she jumps into his body, talks to the the shield crew, and then throws him off the ledge. And as he's throwing himself off the ledge, jumps out of the body. And I'm not gonna lie, I had to watch this scene uh, twice because the first time I I watched her, I thought that was. Uh, uh, Fitz and Simmons is grand grand uh, son. Oh, Deke. I thought that was Deke for the first. I'm like, wait, did they just call off Deke? Oh no, okay, it was Davis. Right. So at this stage, she escapes in Mac, and because obviously this the whole ploy is to get in inside him, mm-hmm. and then obviously you're running shield if you're inside the commander. Yeah. So as she is trying to find her way to Sarge, this is where I want to say things really, really get weird. Mm-hmm. Because now we have the origin of Sarge. Because yep. at this point, Sarge sees his shadow wife disappear. Like he's in, like, I don't want to say like a dream sequence or something. Uh, that looked like a dream sequence or something. Or at least maybe a memory sequence where he couldn't remember all of the facts. And the other thing that was leading up to this point was you had Fitz trying to kind of piece together, all right, how do we get from Coulson to Sarge? And he had all the pieces, just he wasn't quite sure how they lined up. Right. And at this point, though, it's broken down about how Sarge has come to be. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad, what is your thoughts on this? I, honest to God, needed a sheet of paper and a pen and a wiki page because I've forgotten some of these details. Yes, because the short version of everything is... The, the Spark Notes version. Yes, the monoliths from what season one at least yeah i mean i was they feel like they've been around since season one and probably think it's season two have basically when colson came into contact with him uh-huh. they essentially cloned him yep into a brand new body but they merged him with somebody else uh-huh. so now it is correct that's that is Philip J. Colson. Yeah, that is his body. That is his body and his memories are still in there so presumably that is the real Phil Coulson, mm-hmm. but he's not alone. No. And as Izel is confronts him, and this now gets weird that there is now this explanation, she explains that, yeah, the memories inside you are Philip Coulson's. Yeah. And that the monolith sent him back in, in time, and yeah. it's just like this whole weird... Time, t- time travel's weird. Like, this is like the weird thing. Like tra- I remember when I was like, writing notes for the show today. I was like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to explain this properly, because yeah. it's good. It's just, it's weird. They cloned him, and they merged him with Izel's soulmate, and I'm going to butcher the heck out of this name, Pakatiku. Uh, yeah, close enough. So, at this stage, Sarge is rejecting it, and... Izel escapes inside Yo-Yo, mm-hmm. and then Mac basically, at this point, Izel is one, yep. but Sarge is not teaming up with her yet. Well, and Izel's got this device-looking thing she was trying to get the entire time. What was it? It was like the power of the mo- three monoliths built into one or whatever yeah, it was? Yeah, it was like a, like a power core almost. Like, yeah, it, it yeah. Was just, that's, I mean, that was the end game for her. Because I think her ultimate plan, which I think was finally revealed in this episode, is, you know, so her and then Sarge, or the being that's inhabiting Coulson's body, are shrikes. They're this soulless creature that they're looking, that the thing they ultimately, ultimately long for, the thing that they want the most in life is to have bodies because they don't have bodies and they're looking oh hey here's a planet of seven billion people there's plenty of hosts for all of us yeah. they want to open you know the the universe or what or whatever to get to their world so that the shrikes can come through and inhabit bodies 
it's a so out there concept. I mean, it works. But, but it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But it's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like I said, any other show try pulling this off, maybe 50-50 success. Maybe. This show is pulling it off, but it, it's very hard to try translating. A little bit. Like, there's just a lot of action going on and just a lot of things that are not easy to describe. So, like, for this is trying to explain how Coulson is now merged with somebody mm-hmm. that has connections with Izel. Izel now has the power source to generate all the Shrike to take over the world. Yeah. And is now inhabiting Yo-Yo, which Mac is mm-hmm. basically sacrificing himself to, to protect Yo-Yo and go with her. Yeah. It was just, like, overall, Pat, I guess, like, how would you describe this? You know, I thought it was a good episode. Not the best they've done all, uh, all season because, like you said and alluded to, it was a little confusing. I, ne- I needed, you know, I almost turned into the Charlie Day meme uh, you see on the Internet where, like, you're trying to explain something with the flowchart and, and all that. And, like, I felt like that at times. But I, I enjoyed finally getting some resolution and some answers, especially who the heck is Sarge. Yeah, we finally got that answer, and I guess that that is one way to bring Coulson back to the MCU. I mean, it's not an LMD. No, it's comics, though. You know, Coulson wasn't going to stay dead. Oh, yeah, it's comics. I mean, that's the thing. So knowing that moving forward, it's going to be really interesting, though, to see how this story ends up. Uh Uh-huh. Because now they can't stop Izel. No. She has a ton of power to generate a Shrike invasion or Mm -hmm. blow up the world, whatever she wants to do. And our heroes have, like, no way to stop her. Right. So what happens now? I, you know what I'm thinking, and this is just going based off of what we learned at San Diego Comic-Con, where Season 7 is going to deal with the snap. I think what we're going to see happen is the final shot of, or the final scene of this season is going to be as the snap happens, and we're going to start seeing some of our favorite characters, like Melinda May, like Quake, Fitz or Simmons, I you know, because they love tearing the twisting the knife in that on um, that relationship with folks, you know, start disappearing. And I think what we're gonna see is in season seven is kind of Shield's answer in response to trying to help things because as we see in Endgame, from where things end in Infinity War to the five years after or five years forward in Endgame. Things get real bad real quick, and I think what we're going to see in Season 7 is kind of the fallout of that. Right, because as this current season is set up, this is a year, 18 months after mm. the the initial snap. So it's going to be a lot of questions that still got to get answered. Yeah. I mean, it's been a very good season thus far. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. get it twisted by this. Just trying to explain it has been a little difficult. So hopefully we did that with you. If not, hit us up on our social media accounts, Twitter, at ODParlayHour. Tried saying that earlier, but got a little tongue-tied. And definitely hit us up on OchoDuroParleyHour.com. You can find all the links to the social media. Join in the conversation with that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts on this past week's episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of Robocon 2019, happening September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robocon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And as you heard in the sounder, Robocon is coming up September 28th, 29th. 
The ODPH is officially going to be down there for a panel on Saturday, mm-hmm. and we're going to be doing the podcast workshop on Sunday with our friends over at 3FN and Horror Zone 607. Hashtag 607 podcasts are going to be in the building. In fact, 3FN just got announced for their own panel, too, yeah. on Saturday. So definitely come down, check it out, robercon.org for more information. So, Pat, why don't we kick it off with those one-shots, shall we? Yeah, of course. We're going to talk a little video game news because there's an interesting thing dropped uh, this week as we record in Grand Theft Auto Online. Of course, the long-running, and I say long-running because... I, I, it escaped me how long this game has been out, but uh, the game initially, Grand Theft Auto V, of course, initially came out on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 way back when in 2013. So Grand Theft Auto Online, still chugging along, uh, put out one of their, I would say one of their biggest uh, updates to date on the system where they opened a brand new casino where you can play blackjack and, and all sorts of other things. I've yet to dig into it myself, but I'm definitely going to give it a go and give it a check out because Big fan of Grand Theft Auto Online. It's a lot of fun, you know, and and just from where it started with the hectic craziness of trying to get online. And I remember that those days it was a nightmare to try and get online when it first came out to, you know, the stunt races they've introduced and everything with that to now they've got a full fledged casino where you can gamble and you can do all this. You can bet on horse races. That's absolutely crazy. You can bet on horse races. You can play blackjack. You can play all all. Other sorts of things, so I'm definitely going to give that a dig into when I get the chance. Other thing that uh, dropped today as we record is uh, the trailer for the Invader Zim movie that is coming to Netflix. Big fan of the Invader Zim series when that came out on uh, Nickelodeon in the 2000s, I want to say it was. Uh, it, for those who don't know, it was a simple story of an alien race who was looking to conquer the entire universe. And they had one uh, particular soldier who was really ambitious and really wanted to conquer the universe, help conquer the universe, but he was a little incompetent. And so they sent him off to Earth is just like, oh, hey, he'll never conquer Earth. Let's just give him something to do. It's where he'll do the, le- the uh, least amount of harm. But it'll kind of placate him, and it just it got grew into a cult following and a big fan following, and I'm definitely excited to see it come back, uh, coming out in August on Netflix. That's gonna be definitely a fun show to yeah, watch. Yeah. So I guess for my one shots, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about San Diego Comic Con mm-hmm. if I can, because sure. there is just so much going on. I mean. We didn't even get a chance to jump into Batman Beyond. Yeah. And the panel there where the set or the series is now getting put back on Blu-ray yeah. remastered. Yep, yep. So all, all every episode except for 11 because there were 11 episodes where the film was just too damaged for them to put it into Blu-ray quality, but it is upgraded as much as they can for resolution. Yeah, that's going to be something to see. I yeah. mean, I, I'm excited as a DC Universe yeah. fan. Yeah, and the other interesting thing they said with this, the show, because I think that if I am if I remember right, they did a Q&A, and somebody said, well, what about continuing the series or doing another movie? Because they had, another, they had plans for another movie, but just the Return of the Joker just didn't do well enough for them to warrant it. Uh, the folks that B said that, you know, listen, if you guys would like another season or another movie for Batman Beyond, you know, if this sells well enough, that might make it happen. Well, you heard what it, you got to do to get it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been screaming about doing another one. In fact, I, I still am putting it out there in the energy into the universe. Batman Beyond full action movie. Yes. With Michael Keaton playing Bruce yes. Wayne. Let's make it happen, folks. Because mm-hmm. that needs to happen. And obviously going into this week, there's a lot of stuff going on comic-wise yeah. and TV show-wise. The Boys is coming out on oh boy. Amazon. Oh, boy. Which, if, you're, if we've discussed this many times before, Garth Ennis, Derek Robinson's, you can't even call it a superhero book, but let's yeah, just say yeah. there's a group that is going to keep them in check, and that is going to be so not safe for work, but that debuts on the 26th of July on Amazon. So definitely check that out. 
Um, it's going to be a fun show. And it's already been renewed for season two. That was the news oh, wow. that broke from Comic-Con. So there is that much faith in it. And if we are talking some comics, because it is a Comic-Con, Marvel had some comic news as well. Uh-huh. Now, they're doing another a new Doctor Doom book, so he's going to have Makes his own sense. series. There's a Kylo Ren book coming out. Yeah, yeah, that's that to me was kind of the most interesting thing. You got, it's called Star Wars: The Rise of Kylo Ren, uh, and it is being written by Charles Soule, who's had a really good run on the Star Wars comics uh, in recent years. But it, the first issue is going to uh, come out sometime in December. I, if I would had to were to hazard a guess, it's probably going to be right before Episode Nine releases. Uh, but this, it's going to be really interesting that we're going to finally get some backstory with Kylo Ren. Yeah, it definitely looks really cool, and Charles Soule is a, is a phenomenal writer, yeah. too, so I have full faith in this I, can, I cannot recommend his run on Star Wars enough. It's a really good run. Yeah, this is going to be a win no matter what, so definitely check that out when it comes out. But I think the biggest comic news of the week had to be there was some more follow-up about Jonathan Hickman's X-Men. The, that is the highly out. anticipated. Yes, because actually this week at your comic book shops, House of X comes out. I, and I'm going to just go out on a limb here, uh, get there early, because I, I'm going to hazard a guess is, uh, issues are going to be flying off the shelves. Right. I mean, that one, between that and Batman Curse of the White Knight, Sean Murphy's uh, sequel to Batman White Knight is coming out too. I mean, there, yeah. there's a lot at your comic book shops this week, so definitely get down there. But... This was announced at New at San Diego Comic Con, rather that they did release. I guess the six new books for the X Men line. Okay. Now I do have the web page up, so Pat, I'm going to be reading this off, so you can take a look at the team books because okay. they have six new books coming out. Wow. wow. Under the X Men line, one is Fallen Angels, okay. and it has Psylocke, X23, and Kid Cable on it. Hmm. No, well, I, at least I call him Kid Cable because I'm not. I am kind of lost on what's going on with that character right sure. now. So that one, like I say, I'm not really sure what's going on. If that's supposed to be like a team book or right. whatever is going to happen from there, that's going to be something very interesting. They do have a new Mutants book coming out, mm-hmm. which is a throwback to the original New Mutants team. But one thing I do like is they tied it in with characters from Generation X, okay. which was the late 90s restart of uh, the New Mutants the School for Xavier's. And it had, I would like to say, is like the more realistic mutants. It had Mondo yeah. and it had Chamber, who I think Chamber is one of the most visually impressive characters they have in the Marvel Universe. I mean, he's somebody who's missing half his chest and jaw. Yeah. But it's all, all radiating energy. I just think it's a very cool artistic thing. Then there's the Marauders. Mm-hmm. Now, this one... Pad, you were looking at the image. Yeah, that that's an interesting cast of characters we got going on there. Yeah, Kate Pride, Iceman, Storm, Bishop, Emma Frost, and Pyro. Yeah. And it's basically them at sea. Yeah, so like in the middle of a storm, no pun intended. Right, so I'm not really sure what's going on there. Yeah. Um, But it almost like sounds like they're like the force out at sea. Like I said, I kind of need to dig into that one a little bit because this one was one of the books that I kind of saw. I was like, um, I'm going to have to really kind of dig into a little bit more and find out. Then we see they're doing an X-Men number one, mm-hmm. which is the entire Summers family yeah. on their cable, Corsair from the Star Jammers, Vulcan, Havoc, Jean Grey, Rachel Grey, and Wolverine. Hmm. Now, I am fully trusting Jonathan Hickman, so I know I'm sounding very puzzled when I see this image, but yeah. 
Pad, you have any thoughts on this? It it's a very interesting image, and I'm very interested to see where they go with it because that's uh that's quite the interesting cast they got going on there with being with the Summers. Yeah, it's the entire Summers family. Yeah. So yeah, where they're gonna go with this, anybody's guess. I mean, I know Wolverine is with them, so I mean, but he is the franchise guy for the. X-Men. I also want to take a note. They're on the moon. Yeah. Like, they're not at, like, some random ship or some random... No, they're on the moon and the Earth is in the background. Right. And then we come across Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad, you're looking at the image as I speak. Uh-huh. What stands out? Apocalypse is there. Yep. So this book has Betsy Braddock as the new Captain Britain. You have Rogue, Richter, Jubilee, Gambit, an apocalypse. Yeah, they're like right there in the background, like not running in, fighting guys, or flying in, trying to stop them, or anything like that. No, he's just casually standing there with like a clenched fist, like, yes. Now, I I will say, I, you will definitely have to read House of X and Powers of X, which Powers comes out next week. Okay. To kind of figure out what is going on here, because I, I saw I, that. I, Lucy, you got some explaining to do. Yeah, I saw that image. I was like, what is this? I'm I'm intrigued. Like this one, yeah. out, of, out of all of them, definitely caught my eye, and I was like, okay, this this might be the one I pick up. And they are also doing another X Force book, mm-hmm. which I don't really know how to take that as right now. It definitely had a bunch of different characters on it. Kid Omega is in it, so every time he's in that, that can yeah. be anything good for business. On one side, Domino, Wolverine, Colossus, Beast, Black Tom. And Sage, I believe, is the character um, with Jean Grey. And hmm. this is, is kind of a unique team if you know anything about X-Force. Um, like I said, the fact that I saw Black Tom Cassidy yeah. on there, I couldn't think of his last name for a sec. Um, I- interesting. And like I say, I think that this is supposed to be um, their, I guess, co- or like covert team. I mean, typically is with X-Force, but... Yeah. Just seeing Jean Grey and Beast on there, I don't really see how that works out. Yeah, it's interesting. The little tease they've got on Marvel.com about this book, it says, in a quote, in a perfect world, there would be no need for an X-Force. We're not there yet. Yeah, so this is going to be another question mark team. And like I said, I don't know exactly what I think of this team yet. So Um, it's going to be written by Benjamin Percy, so it's going to be real good. Yeah, Percy does great work. Percy does awesome work. So I like I said, I like what they're doing with the X Men line. I just don't know, what, like looking at first glance, like where we're going with it. And that's six number ones to mm-hmm. kick off the line. So obviously they're bringing back the X Men line in full force. A lot of mix ups on the team. Um, some former villains now. Yeah, members. potentially members. I don't know. Yeah, else? like I said, you saw Pyro, you saw Black Tom Cassidy, you saw a lot of them going on. I mean, this is just another thing that was so cool to see at San Diego Comic Con. So, Pat, let me ask you this in mm-hmm. closing: San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Final thoughts. A lot of good news, a lot of fun, surprising news. It was almost too much to, to take in at one time. You almost had to spread it out and kind of take breaks in between. But a lot of good stuff coming forward I'm very much looking forward to. San Diego Comic-Con is always such a cool event. Even if you don't get the chance to attend, it's something that as you watch from the outside looking in, is just so much news happening. And it's just it shuts down pop culture for four days. Much like New York Comic Con does in the fall, but San Diego focuses a lot more on movies. We saw a ton of trailers going mm-hmm. on, and like I said, I apologize if I missed some. There was so much happening yeah. going on, and then Saturday night Hall H got shut down mm-hmm. by 
Marvel Studios. I mean, just phenomenal job this weekend. There's so much news going on. And this just reminds you why it's so important to go to cons. Yeah. I mean, let alone if, you, if you're if you into cosplay, it's the perfect place to go. You're surrounded by you know fellow fans, and everybody is having a good time, and the vibe there is so cool, and the energy of everybody there is just so high. That is just such a great feeling to be around everybody that's so into the fandom that you are, and just, you know, you're making connections, you're making friends. It's just indescribable. And when you have all this great news coming out, yeah, like I say, I feel like we missed something big and I'm drawing a blank on it because it was just so much to take in this weekend. But this is why we cover it. This is why we love it. And as fans, this is why we love talking about it. So we're definitely going to be interacting with you moving forward. Hit us up. Definitely interact on the social media accounts because we gave you a lot to discuss and we want to continue that conversation going forward because that's all we got for this week. So for Padawan J, thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, or also known as the Hashtag ODPH Podcast. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 